Welcome to the Team FNC podcast, where we aim to improve your knowledge and understanding of nutrition. <laughs> All right. Uh, welcome to the Team FNC podcast. Today, I've got a uh, special guest, Tyson Brown, also known as Tyson the Trainer or the Serial Killer. Uh, mate, Tyson, do you want to introduce yourself um, and tell the Team FNC podcast community, um, I guess, how you got into health and fitness, but in particular, nutrition? Well, mate, first, thanks just for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, it's the first like interview podcast I've been on, so it's pretty exciting. Uh, so I guess, basically, I kind of got into like just training when I was about grade 10. Um, and mainly it was just, it was just to look good to pick up chicks. That was my sole goal. It's like, I want to pick up girls. Um, and then. Is there any other reason? Grade, what was that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the main reason, 100%. Uh, if only my future self knew that was definitely not the way to go. Yeah. I should have got, I should have learned a bit more about humor, let alone training. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so basically I was training since grade 10. Um, and during that time, I started just, you know, I used to go on bodybuilding.com forums and read all that stuff. Um, and I kind of got sucked into the like uh, clean eating side of things. Um, so like everything had to be weighed, everything had to be tracked, everything had to be measured to like the nth degree, you know, like it wasn't 50 grams of rice, uh, 51 grams of rice. It was 50 grams of rice just because I had that uh, kind of neurotic personality. And so um I've, I found it very good because I could, you know, manipulate the way I looked, but it was also a very obsessive tendency. So um, that was actually also the start of my eating disorder for about six years of just being very obsessed about what I put into my body, restricting a lot of things. Um, I wouldn't go out to dinner with my family. I wouldn't go out with friends if I couldn't measure or track anything. Um, I used to, you know, try and cut out all bad foods uh, and, you know, only eat clean. And then it would turn into a binge episode where I'd go to the shops and I'd, um, you know, go and gorge myself with whatever I could get. And so this was, uh, it was very interesting for about, you know, grade 10 to probably about 22 years old where I was in this, this bad cycle and a bad headspace um, with my eating habits, but I was also uh, getting into the training side of things too and being a PT. And so I had this conflict because I was, you know, trying to help people get fit and healthy, but in the back end, like uh, I was struggling myself with nutrition and things like that. And it wasn't until I was about 22, which is about three years ago, that I can't remember why or what happened, but I just, someone, um, do, you, do you remember Paul Check? Do you remember the book, um, Eat, Move and Be Healthy? Did you ever hear that book? I've, I've heard of Paul Check, but I haven't heard of the book, no. Okay, so he was very much about the avoid the microwaves, avoid everything, you know, don't do anything bad. And so I posted something up on Facebook and a friend of mine actually happened to message me and say, hey, where's the reference for this? And I was like, well, what the hell is the reference? And then he started talking to me more about the science um, of nutrition. And from there, I was like, oh, like I've been doing everything completely wrong. Um, and I happened to stumble across Precision Nutrition. And so that was kind of my first uh, introduction into understanding nutrition a little bit more about macronutrients um, and like that there's no good or bad food and that food is just made up of macronutrients and micronutrients. And so that really grabbed my interest because firstly, the education helped me come out of my bad habits with my eating patterns of binge restricting and being obsessive and understanding that I can go out and have food that I enjoy. And then um, just understanding just how nutrition works in the body really fascinated me. So from there, it just took me down the path of going through Mac Nutrition Uni, um, Sports Nutrition Australia, because I wanted to learn more about sports nutrition, and then doing my diploma of sports nutrition, because I just think uh, nutrition is just, there is so, it is so important 
uh, for like everything in life, you know, like you eat food every day. So what goes in your body is important and how your relationship is with that food is very important too, you know, because a lot of people um, don't realize that that like they may have a they may have a bad relationship with food or a good relationship with food but like if you are uh against food every day like that's not a good place to be because you are eating what two to four times five times a day and you're always thinking about what's going into your mouth or if you think something bad goes into your mouth like it can just it can ruin your whole day or your whole mindset with this one thing that we're supposed to be able to enjoy because it's about relationships. It's about the way you feel. There are so many things that uh, how food is integrated into our life. And so that's why I wanted to learn more about it and help people understand that you can enjoy the food you love and still have a healthy lifestyle, you know, without having to give up everything you think you need to, because that's what a lot of people talk about. Yeah. Oh, dude, that, that's so powerful. And like you're speaking from experience as well. It's not just about your physical health when it comes to nutrition. And we always talk about it's about your social and emotional health, even economic health um, at the end of the day. So all we're trying to do through our way of educating our clients um, is to help them establish that relationship with food. That's going to help them move towards their goals, but also even maintain it um, for the rest of their life. And that's where the education is so powerful because it helps people make informed decisions um, and they really understand things. And I think that the whole, like when your mate said to you, Oh, where's the reference for this? It's, it's mind blowing for people because on social media, which we're going to get to a little bit later on, people can just say whatever they want, or even, you know, uneducated people, they can say whatever they want about nutrition. And when they say it so convincingly, you know, uh, people aren't going to question it because they go, oh, this guy must know what he's talking about. He's got, you know, over 10,000 followers. He's got the swipe up. Um, you know, he must be legit. But then, yeah, it's all it is is like, oh, mate, can I see a reference for that? And then it's like, oh, they, you know, you got to take a step back uh, because if they aren't going to give you the reference, you know, it's probably a crock of shit. Right, 100%. And like the people who usually give out the most imp- misinformation are just people who look good, you know? Like, oh, he looks jacked. Might as well listen to him. And, Oh yeah. It's either the bros or the same thing as like, there are a lot of, like, if you win a bodybuilding or a bikini competitive competition, all of a sudden you're the expert, you know? And like, so everyone's like, oh, now I'm doing the coaching. I'm doing the nutrition. It's like, you have no idea just because you could restrict your food enough to be able to stand on stage and be lean. Doesn't mean you have any idea or have the authority to give out information on that, you know, especially when a lot of it is detrimental, let alone helpful. Yeah. It's like me saying I could save a shitload of money, but I've got no idea about economics or accountancy. It's like, like I'm not going to go and, and tell anyone, anyone else how to save money because their budget and their expenses are completely different to, to my income, my budget and my expenses. So you really like, you do need to be qualified to talk about things. But I, I always believe, I think because people have been putting food in their mouth the whole, their whole lives, they think that they have some kind of right and responsibility to, to talk about nutrition in a way that um, can influence others. I'm like, you can't do that. hundred percent. And I think a lot of it was also like uh, the empathy side of things. Like they're like, oh, well I can do it. Why can't you? It's like, well, your situation, you're a single male who's 22 years old and you're living your best life. And you're telling a mom of three kids who's running around doing everything for them. The husband's out of the mines or whatever it is like completely different situation, but they think, no, nah, she's going to get the exact like meal plan or wherever it's going to be as I was eating, it's going to be fine. Yeah. And that's what, you know, we, we try and tell our clients all the time is your circumstances are, you know, so different to the next person. Even if they seem quite similar to you, um, it's it's not the exact same. So actually 
getting a meal plan off some EHP labs personal trainer, that's not gonna <laughs> that's not gonna like suit like you said the the mum of four and the husband's away all the time for work. Um, it's actually worth investing in a time, effort, and money to find your own personalized solution. So. Um, mate, I think, yeah, we'll, we'll dive into the, uh, to the influencer side of things a little bit later on, but I wanted to talk yep. to you about, um, aggressive diets in particular. So, so what, what would you class as an aggressive diet? And I guess who would they be for and who wouldn't they be for? So I guess like, uh, in my opinion of aggressive dieting, I would say it's probably about 1% of your body weight a week, right? The reason I go off percentages is because everyone's going to be different. If you're a hundred kilo male plus you can lose a lot more faster than someone who is very lighter, you know? Um, so I go off percentages. So 1%, I would say is quite high, quite aggressive. Now, um, the thing is ideally you'd want someone who's dieted before successfully, someone who has a good relationship with food and understands food. So they know how many calories they're actually eating. And someone who, like, I'll give you an example for myself. I came off a 12, uh, sorry, like a 12 month gaining phase, right? Like during this time, it was gaining, maintaining, but like I was eating a lot of calories. And so I was at the point where I wasn't food focused. I was full all the time. um, And having a break from food was like, it was nothing, you know, it was very easy to do. So I think for a lot of people, aggressive dieting sounds exciting because you're like, oh, I can lose a lot of weight really quickly. But at the same time, like you have to be in an educated position and have a good relationship with food and be mentally ready for it. Because aggressive dieting is not something that you just do to lose fat quickly. It's something you have to do because there's a purpose behind it, whether it be a mini cut for a lady gain or whether it's to be get it out of the way really quickly. But you have to be someone who has had experience with dieting before. Yeah. And I think that, that purpose is really important because it like knowing why you're doing something means that you can attach... So you can commit more to your behaviors. And like when you're when you're about to doubt yourself, when you go, oh, fuck, I don't actually want to stick to this deficit anymore. You remind yourself, okay, why am I doing this? No, that's it. It's a short-term goal. I'm going to do it. I'm going to keep practicing these kind of things. So yeah, purpose um, and understanding your reasons, um, why, why you want to change is really, really important. Um, when we talk about aggressive diets as well, I think it, it's it's like in, in our context, you know, that you said between like even half to 1%, uh, is a realistic rate of weight loss. Anything above that 1% is more aggressive. When we talk, talk about deficits, we're looking at like between 10 to 20%. But there are some diets out there that are very, very low calorie. There are like, you know, the 800 calorie diets from uh, Dr. Michael Mosley. Uh, and we've got the 1200 calorie diet now, which is pretty popular. Um, and even people on Instagram are, are looking at debunking. So uh, do you want to talk more about those 800 and 1200 calorie diets and why they are not... Uh, realistic for most people? Yeah. Uh, well, firstly, I just think um, there are people who are going to be anomalies out there who can get it done, you know, but we're not looking at those people. We're not looking for the anomaly. We're looking for, there's a reason we have general population and there is a reason we have um, statistics because we can see what the where the averages lie, right? So for a lot of people, they'll be like, oh, but my friend did it. And if their friend was successful, fantastic. But like, we're looking at, again, you and your current situation. And for a lot of people, um, you know, if they're going to go and try an 800 calorie diet, like you it's appealing to them because it's quick and because they think they're going to lose a lot of weight very like again, really quickly, but they don't understand like how detrimental that is to your overall health. You know, especially if you're someone who's not obese and you go on such a low calorie diet, you will 
most likely have deficiencies in your diet. 800 calories. I don't actually think that's enough to cover all bases like uh, micronutrient wise. And so having such a low calorie diet, people are going to notice things. Their hair could fall out, you know, from being deficient. Uh, for me, a perfect example in my aggressive diet, I actually started losing skin on my hands. And since I've come back off the diet, my skin's regained, but like I was peeling from my thumbs and stuff like that. So it's clearly a deficiency there. And so these such low calorie diets Unless you're like, you know, I've got a uh, perfect example. I've got a client, um, she is a jockey, so she doesn't move much and she's 49 kilos. She's going to be under 1200 calories because she needs to make a 47 kilo mark, right? But like, again, she's an anomaly. She's very, she's not the average person. So these such low calorie diets appeal to our uh, instant gratification of trying to get there as soon as possible. But the, the negative outcomes that could be uh, from that, which means you could rebound your weight, you could fall off track and feel like you're a failure. Like the amount of people that are like, oh, I can't stick to 1200 calories and I just keep falling off track. It's like, yeah, well, you're trying to eat 1200 calories and you're a 97 kilo person. You know, it's, there's, um, so this appeal to trying to get things so quickly all the time, these lower calorie things may seem good, but uh, the negative health outcomes are just not beneficial for anyone, you know? Oh, mate, totally agree there. And I think what, what people are missing is the big picture of like, okay, cool. You go on 800 calories for what, for two weeks, but then what happens if you, if you haven't learned how to like, you know, work towards your, your target body weight um, or body composition without factoring the foods that you enjoy without going into such a ridiculous restriction, what's going to happen afterwards. You're going to put the weight back on. And like you said before, you're going to feel like a failure as well. A hundred percent. And like, same thing is like, I, I uh, give my clients templates and meal plans to give them an idea. But if that's all they ever got, what are they supposed to do after the diet? Like, they like do they just go, okay, I go back to eating how I was? Like, this is why I'm such a big fan of, uh, like I say, education is power. Because once you know how to put together a meal, once you know that you need a certain amount of protein a day to make sure um, you're recovering, to make sure you're building lean mass, once you know that you know you need to eat your veggies, your fruits, your, your whole grains and things like that, a lot of people then know how to put together a day of eating and to maintain their new weight. But if you just give someone a meal plan or 800 calories, yes, sweet. Maybe you follow it for, I don't know how long someone could follow 800 calories for. Surely not a long time. I definitely don't want to try it. That's for sure. Yeah. I like think I'm like, that's breakfast sometimes. Um, but like, you know, if people could follow that for a certain amount of time, again, then what? Have you learned anything about how to now sustain that new body weight that you're at? Yeah. And when I think we talk about aggressive diets, like the, the ridiculously aggressive ones, like the 800 or sometimes the 1200, it's for these people that they're probably sedentary as well. They're, they're quite obese and they're sedentary. And there is a reason that they've been prescribed that by maybe their, their, doc, their doctor or dietitian or whatever. But for most people that we work with and that we try and reach out to and educate, they are exercising. So if you're exercising, that is not even close to enough um, the amount of calories that you need to have to make sure that you have enough energy available for performance, for recovery, and for basic human functioning. A hundred percent. Like, again, I just think about, like, I, I just can't think about living on a hundred calories, you know? And so, like, um, again, like those, unless you're going to be uh, watched over by a clinical dietitian and you are obese, you know, there are times for shakes and stuff like that, but you have to be monitored. You don't just go and eat 800 calories because you're like, oh, I can go and do this diet, especially if you have no education at all. Because like, again, your deficiencies, 
trying to come back out of the diet, trying to stick to the diet because you think this is the good way, but you don't know any difference. So uh, again, like educating yourself or being under the guidance of someone, if it's going to be that low of a calorie diet, it better be a dietitian out of anything mm. to get you there. But again, it does, it does come down to like who you are as like who you are, like, are you obese or not? Um, are you exercising or are you sedentary? And just like real, just realism, you know, everyone, again, everyone wants things now. And it's like, well, you didn't gain the weight you've got in 12 weeks or two weeks or four weeks. So don't expect it to lose it so fast. Yeah. And I think another thing we can, we can ask those people that want to go on these aggressive diets and want to get these quick results and say to them, have you tried it before? And if they say yes, okay, well then what happened? Oh yeah, cool. Like I lost weight in four weeks, but then I put it all back on. Okay. So this approach in the past doesn't have a very good track record. So let's try this slower approach because we're going to likely get you some great results in a more realistic time frame that you can then maintain. So really aiming for that, you know, that 10 to 20% deficit, um, maybe nothing over that 500 calorie deficit mark for, for yeah. these people. A hundred percent. And I think like, I don't know if you noticed this, but a lot of people who try and do these extreme things are people who are obviously never able to stick to it because they're always trying something different or they're people who don't even have to lose you know, let's say they've got five to 10 kilos to lose. Like, why do you think you need to go into such a hard deficit to lose that little bit? Cause you're not like your health isn't at risk here. You just want to look a little bit better. And these people, a lot of it comes down to, again, we'll talk about later, like social media and stuff, but the influence they think about all the time and they think that they need to look good now, you know? Yeah. And it's, I've, I've actually really, I do empathize with it, with those people um, and I think it's not until they experience things like, you know, you know, for yourself, you've gone through a period of time where you, where you struggle with nutrition and your, and your relationship with food, but now you're out on the other side, you, you get it. But when these people haven't, I guess they haven't gone through what the differences feel like. Um, and maybe it's not until they have actually found that way that suits them. They won't understand and they'll, they'll keep trying these, um, you know, quick fix, this person's meal plan that didn't work. I'll go to this meal plan. And then one day they'll go, you know what? I'm going to try it the right way. Um, I'm going to get educated and I'm going to, you know, make my own decisions. And I think that's where autonomy comes in really, really, really um, powerful because they have used that education aspect to apply it to their own context with their, with their own choices, with their own choices. Sorry. Um, but it's not until I guess you experience it that you understand it. So like we can keep telling them, we can you know try and empathize with them, but at the end of the day, they've got to experience it for themselves. A hundred percent, and that's why I think uh, you're like myself. Like you never force anyone into a situation that they don't want to be in. You know, if they come to you and they're like, "Hey, I want to do this," if you don't agree with what you want to do, like what they want to do, and they don't want you to coach them the way you want to, well, then unfortunately, you're going to have to part ways because. Again, you can't force them to do something they're not ready to mentally do. So someone who comes to you and wants to follow your guidance is mentally is usually mentally ready to try something they haven't tried before, which is being educated and going about it the right way. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, but that's like I said, our job is to empathize and to understand our clients' needs, their goals. You know, we offer our suggestions and their advice, but at the end of the day, they are in control. 100%. And that's also comes to their results too, you know? Like... I never say, look at what I did for my client because I just gave them the information. They pull the trigger. They're the one who does it, you know? So again, it's their results, whether they succeed or they fail. All we can do 
is again empathize but give them the education and suggestions but we can't make them put the food in their mouth or make those decisions you know yeah yeah like it's, it's nice to get praise and and our clients to, to, to say thank you but i always go at the end of the day this is you like this is all you you've done the whole thing um and yep. they should be proud of themselves at the end of the day and they should really be boosting their own their own confidence levels 100 percent. so mate we've touched on um you know uh, before you've gone through a, a massive growth phase of like 12, 12 months uh, in a bit of a, yeah. bit of a, a bit of a surplus and then into, into a bit of, bit of a mini cut phase. Let's talk about the differences in food selection in those two periods. So obviously we have a, a base of protein and plants with, which we want to try and cover, um, you know, as a foundation of our meals. But what is the difference between a, a mass phase and then a, a, a mini cut when it comes to, I guess, some of the foods that you're choosing to eat? Uh, well, I guess, so like either way, um, I personally have foundations that I just call them tick boxes that you've got to do every day, you know? So um, two grams of protein per kilogram, roughly speaking, uh, a minimum fat intake for hormone health and just for uh, nutrient transport. Uh, then we've got our veggies and fruits, like you said before, uh, whole grains, which also includes for our fiber and then uh, calcium intake too. So whether the goal is to gain, maintain or lose, these things that are just overall health promoting, which we can just see on the um, uh, the Australian guidelines for healthy food, like you know healthy eating, they're just things that are going to make sure that we get all our vitamins and minerals in, um, make sure that we're healthy. And then from there, it's about uh, if you are in a gaining phase, choosing more calorie dense options. So uh, maybe instead of just having potatoes, you would choose something that's got a high calorie. Um, uh, high calorie for lower volume. So it might be rice instead of potatoes or it might be pasta. So uh, choosing uh, more calorie dense foods in a gaining phase. And then if you're in a cutting phase, you would choose uh, lower calorie foods with higher volume, you know? So you would choose uh, maybe more veggies in your meals or you would choose um, lower fat dairy options. So uh, things like that, that are going to obviously help keep you satiated in a cutting phase, but you want to choose less satiating foods. So when you're in a gaining phase, so foods that are easy to eat, easy to digest, won't keep you full for longer because like I got up to 4,500 calories and like, I was just trying to eat food all the time. And a lot of that came from cereal, you know, cereal and whole milk, a lot of calories that's easy to eat. So um, I would say, yeah, increasing portion sizes in a bulking phase um, and choosing easier to eat foods and in a cutting phase, choosing, um, lower calorie, higher volume foods that are going to keep you fuller for longer, which will usually be containing fiber, protein, things like that. Yeah, man, I don't know about you, but I actually find cutting easier than gaining because when it comes to, when it comes to gaining, like you are eating when you're not hungry, you get to the point where oh. you're like, you're tired. You're like, I just don't want to eat anymore. But then like you, you have the purpose, you have the motivation, you know why you're doing something. And it's about looking at that food selection um, side of things. So yeah, you go for your more calorie dense options, the more yummy foods that are more enticing to eat when you don't want to eat anymore. Uh, then when it comes to your cutting phase, you're going for the more filling low calorie per bite stuff for sure. Yeah. And, and again, when it comes to like to the gaining phase, um, obviously you're going to see people who are gaining, going to eat, you know, again, there's no good or bad food, but they're going to choose the chocolates or the higher fat stuff because you just need to get food in. You know, if you try and go, if I try to get 4,500 calories foods from all whole foods, I would be super bloated. I would be on the bathroom all day because my fiber intake would be through the roof and it would just not be a good time. So you do have to utilize foods that are very calorie dense and easy to eat in order to just make sure you get the calories in. 
you know? Yeah, especially as someone who's training as well. It's not like you're eating yep. all these foods and just sitting down. It's like you're, you know, walking around, you're going to the gym and training. You don't want to have a stomach full of like, you know, potato when you're trying to do like, oh. you know, massive squats for heaps of volume kind of thing. Same as like, yeah. you know, work, I, I do CrossFit, I work with a lot of CrossFit athletes as well. The last thing we want them to do at 5,000 calories um, is to be eating only clean, healthy whole foods because you're not going to be comfortable. And at the end of the day, comfort is really important, whether it be fat loss, maintenance, um, or, or gaining. I would probably say that having you know, a higher calorie intake like that with just whole foods would be more detrimental to your performance specifically for comfort or like you cannot, you will not be able to push yourself to such high intensities without throwing up most likely, you know? Oh. So there's that negative side of things too. Yeah. I, I gave a seminar recently to, uh, to a bunch of CrossFit athletes and their, their minds were blown actually when I was saying you can eat more cereal, you can drink more liquids, you can even have a full sugar Coke. And they're like, what do you mean? <laughs> my, my only carb source isn't just sweet potato. I'm like, yes. And you can eat bananas. Like you can eat a whole banana. You can eat two. <laughs> like you can have baby food. And like they really took that away. They're like, because I guess with the CrossFit world, it was, you know, very paleo when it kind of first came out. So then when you go, oh, I'm an athlete, I've got to eat more food. They were thinking, oh, I've got to eat more of the foods that I'm currently eating. No, like you were saying before, you keep your base of protein, your plants, your whole grains, your minimum fat targets. And then you've got a ceiling that you can fill with the more calorie dense foods um, that are going to digest quicker and sit, you know, more comfortably in your stomach. A hundred percent. And I think again, like, so I'm so is CrossFit still kind of in that whole foods, paleo-ish side of things still a little bit? Not super. Like it's still there yep. um, in, in yep. some gyms. Um, and like, even the, the old owner was like, you know, get off the carbs, get off the couch. I'm like, well, yeah. you, you kind of need the carbs to, to feel the yeah. training. Um, but yeah. before, like when I first started, it was, it was still very heavily like, you know, um, whole life challenge. So like you, you, you can't have sugar, but you can have like rice malt syrup and, you know, you can't, <laughs> yeah. you, have to, yeah. you can't have rice, but you can have like, you know, all the sweet potatoes. So uh, yeah. yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah. Not, but I not, think also like ideal. just, just not for CrossFit, just in general, like again, this whole carbohydrates thing, like, we, we still have the scarcity around carbohydrates and it's like, this, these are not your enemy. You know, there is no way that we're going to be scared of carbohydrates, especially if you are someone, if you're getting your steps in, you know, if you're getting 10,000 steps and you train, let's say three to five times a week, you need to have carbohydrates in your diet, you know? Um, especially when a lot of it does like from whole foods, like your, your plant foods are going to contain carbohydrates. So we can't shy away from it. And I actually talked about the other day fruit, you know, there's still, I don't know where this has come from that people are getting scared of fruit again. And I'm like, sure. I thought this was back in 2000 when we used to be scared of fruit, you know, I'm like, now it's making us come back that everyone's getting scared. I'm like, fruit is not our enemy here. Out of all things to try and demonize fruit is not the bad guy. Oh man. So let's, let's dive into this social media side of things. So there's, there's two really interesting things there's two phenomena that I've, I've heard of recently one of them is that it takes longer to debunk bullshit than it takes to create the bullshit right so prime example is the like the fruit makes you fat i reckon i spend half my time as a nutritionist telling people that fruit is good for you and it will not make you fat and then they'll come to me a week like a week later and say josh like i know you said that the fruit's you know really good for me but my friend she said this thing about fruit and I was like, nope, like, please stop listening to that. Like I said, it keeps circulating, <laughs> yeah. you know, keep, keeps me employed, which is great. 
But another thing is um, the illusionary, sorry, I think it's called the illusion of truth. So basically the, the more we hear things, the, the truer that we think that they are and the more that we believe them, even if they are, you know, quote unquote, fake news. Um, and it was a study that I just found recently. So that's why, you know, being aware of, of I guess, who you follow um, on social media and who you get your information from in regards to nutrition or anything in general um, is really important. Yeah. Um, and that's like, I think it's very hard because it's very easy to get accredited these days too, which has become a bit of an issue because like when I uh, went from being a PT, like for the first four years, I had no idea what I was doing as a PT. You know, I got my certificate and then I kind of just stood in the gym, went to fitness first and did whatever. And I actually realized that I have to self-educate, you know, to understand how to actually train properly. And the same thing as nutrition. So we do have, like I would, would always say, look for someone who's got the qualifications, but we do have to be still aware of the people we are following and the information they're providing, you know, because a lot of it, they may be educated. There still could be misinformation out there or a bias behind what they're trying to say. So um, I think always uh, having uh, just being aware of what people are saying and really trying to see if other people are saying who are also accredited saying the same thing, you know, like if they went to your profile versus my profile, going to be quite similar that we're on the same path you know um so trying to cross i guess you could say cross reference different people who you follow to make sure they're all kind of promoting the same message because the last thing you want to be doing is following someone who's uh promoting bad behaviors or bad habits um, or obsessive tendencies or someone who just makes you feel bad about yourself because this is we're in the world of instagram now you know and like the best looking people are always on show because they're the best looking people but this doesn't like and this this makes uh, just regular people feel insecure about how they look and they think they need to look like this person when it's like, well, that's not reality. You know, this person has taken, has gotten very lean and taken photos for themselves. They're probably photoshopped. You know, um, there's a lot of things that uh, go on behind the scenes. Like Instagram is just a highlight reel. So it's very easy to get sucked in um, and have it really affect your mental health if you aren't aware about what's going on too. Yeah, so it's not only about the information that you're getting from these people, it's about how these people are making you feel about yourself, about your body, about your, even about your goals. And like we mentioned before, the, the single mum of three, um, you know, she shouldn't have to have goals to have a six pack and to, and to get on stage. Like, you know, if she does, that's completely fine. But that's not the only goal when it comes to nutrition. I think that's another, you know, misbelief is like people only work on their nutrition to change their body. That's not, not the case. Like, you know, it can be just to, you know, feel healthier, to get better educated, to learn how to create meals that you enjoy. But if you're following all these people and it makes you feel bad about your body and how you move and, you know, that you're not motivated enough because you don't have a six pack, um, then it's time to make a change. So what, what recommendations would you have for people that are, that are maybe following the wrong people um, and they're not maybe in the, in the best headspace for, uh, for what they, I guess, want to achieve in life? I would say try and find people who align more with your goals and what you're after and definitely unfollow the people that make you don't like not feel good. And like that had to happen to me a few years ago. Like I just, I would look at guys who are bigger than me um, and it would make me feel bad that I'm not a good trainer because I was just basing off my looks of how someone else looked, you know? And it's like that, like the physique has such 
a, like such a, basically nothing to do with your education, you know, like just because someone is ripped does not mean they know what they're talking about. And so having to be like, you know what, just because they look good doesn't mean they always know what they're talking about. And if that person, if I look at them and I see them and I'm always comparing, I'm always feeling bad, then that's someone I shouldn't be following because it's not making me feel good about myself. You know, again, especially like if you go and stood in a gym right now, if we went to a fitness first and I looked around, there might be one big guy in there, maybe two, you know? But if I'm on Instagram, I'm just seeing that all the time because I'm following that one person or maybe two, Instagram goes, oh, he likes to follow these people. I'm going to give him more in his feed. So if you are constantly seeing this, it's because you are actually fed yourself into the algorithm too. So the first thing to do is to remove yourself from all the people who are making you feel bad because then, Instagram won't be showing those things in your feed or in your um, discover feed and then looking at people who are more in line with your goals. Yeah. And that's, and then like, I think also if you like, if you only follow these big guys or these ripped chicks, you think that's normal because you're, you know, and you're getting, I think it's um, uh, even like this repetition thing, like you go, Oh, I see her. Like there's so many girls out there that look like this or so many guys that look like they're massive oh, that must be the new normal. But it's not. It's just because you have, I guess, become accustomed to only seeing that. Whereas if you went for a walk uh, or went to the local cafe, you're going to see a lot more different types of people and you might even see more people that look like you and and act like you and behave like you as well. So that might actually help you feel a little bit more normal and not like you're, you're doing something wrong with your life. A hundred percent. I think spending less time on social media and more time with people will help you realize that again, you know, because again, if I'm only following bikini competitors, if I go and talk to someone on the street, I don't think anyone in this radius of Newtown is a bikini competitor, you know? And like, but if you've seen this again, if you're seeing this all the time on Instagram and it's always coming to your feed, you do think it's normal. And then you probably start to think maybe I should do that. Maybe I should get on stage when like my biggest thing for a lot of people is like, you don't need to stand on stage and be lean, whether you're a male or a female, like we've talked about before, you can just be healthier for yourself. Feel a little bit better. If you want to lose some weight, great. But if you don't want to, just like, it's okay to train just for health for the long-term thing. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah. And like, yeah, stop comparing yourself to others. Like, and if you are going to compare yourself to anyone, compare it to yourself. Like compare the like, yep. go, oh, am I doing the best for myself? Um, you know, compare yourself to like how you were yesterday or, or the day before. Um, yeah. But like, so yeah, and if you're going to do it at a true comparison, like be fair to yourself. Like there's, if, if you walk down the street of Newtown, you could find someone who's better than you at everything. Like, 100%. oh, that guy's more jacked. That guy's got better hair. That guy's got better yep. shoes. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> that guy's got better headphones. Like there's, you'll always find someone who's going to beat you. At the end of the day, in the comparison game, you always lose. Yeah. And that's like, you know, comparison's a thief of joy. And so like the biggest things we can do is like you said, just be better than you were. You know, if you can look back a week from now, yesterday, whatever it is, and you did something better than you did yesterday, that should, you should be very happy with that. Um, Atomic Habits. Have you read that book? Yeah, man. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And like, he just talks about, if you just got like, if you just got slightly better every day in a year from now, you're going to be a completely different person. And you don't have to make massive changes every day. It's 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 compounding. It's compounding. So it's like one thing, every little changes here and there are going to add up, but you're not going to notice it over. Like it's going to take a long time to, for it to happen and you're not going to notice it, but like just focus on yourself. You know, again, it's, it's with everything. I used to compare myself to PTs who was a successful PT. 
Why don't I have as many clients as him? How come this guy's rich? You know, all these things, they can always come in your head and you're always going to be comparing, but you also have to have self-awareness to be like, this is not your situation. Your situation is for you and who you are as a person. No one else is going to be like you. So you just have to do the best you can, you know? Mate, I think a massive theme for this this podcast is to be realistic as well. Yeah. Uh, and notice what your circumstances are and work within those circumstances. So like the small changes over time, like that's a, a massive one. If we talk about, you know, doing an eight-week program, if you if you change one thing every every week for eight weeks, that's eight changes you've made, eight habits potentially you've built. Rather than trying to change, you know, five habits in one week, you're going to burn out. And then you're going to be, you know, back to where you started, if not further back behind, because you feel like a failure. So take the time, play the long game. And if aggressive diets and making multiple changes all at once, restricting yourself of all the foods that you enjoy um, doesn't work for you, and you've done it multiple times in your life, then actually like take a step back, zoom out and go, this hasn't worked for me before. I need to make some more realistic changes to my life for my circumstances. A hundred percent. And like, we all get to make mistakes. You will fall off track. No matter what you do, you will make mistakes and fall off track. But if you are doing something that you continuously fall off track and make mistakes with, then you have to, you have to stop what you're doing. Right. Mm. Because like every, you know, like, again, if someone wants to follow you, uh, to coach with you, Josh, and they're like, Oh, look, this week I fell off track and maybe it was another four or five weeks until they you know, had a slip up again that's a decent amount of time for them to be on track. But if you, every week you keep messing up or every day you can't stay on track with something, then the thing you're trying to do is not working for you. And you have to be aware of that. You know, if you can't, if you can't stick to what you're doing, you just keep falling off, then it's not the thing you need to be doing and you need to move away from that situation. Yeah, for sure, man. And also like, you know, to become aware, you have to do some reflection. Okay. So you know, why, why do I keep falling off track with this certain thing? Uh, do I want to change this behavior or why do I want to change this behavior? And then if I get into another similar situation, what strategies can I put in place that are going to help me be effective um, in sticking to my plan? But like you said, if you keep, you know, falling off for whatever reason, um, then maybe that's not actually aligned with your goals, but also not aligned with your values. And that's the most important thing. Like values are, are the direction that you want to head in. Goals are just checkpoints yep. along the way. Yeah. And again, like, um, in saying that usually it'll be something that's quite extreme, which is why they can't stick to it. Because if someone was with you, I highly doubt that every day or every week, they're not going to be on point because we set real, again, it's realistic. It's things that you can do. That's not going to be overwhelming. That's not going to take a lot of mental energy from you. And it's going to be quite realistic for you to integ- integrate into your day instead of it being five habits in a week that you've got to make sure you do this week. Yeah. And like, well, you know, same before, you know, food selection, it's like, People go, oh, I've got to cut out carbs, got to cut out bread, got to cut out sugar. That's how I get results. Well, actually, I'll say to them, do you like carbs? Yeah. Do you like sugar? Yeah. Do you like bread? Yep. Okay, let's keep them in. Like, <laughs> because yeah. it's not going to be sustainable and you're going to go, oh, I'm craving bread, carbs and sugar so, so much. Well, like, let's learn how to manage them and keep them in. Stop these aggressive approaches. Stop these, you know, ridiculously um, restrictive approaches as well. Um, let's take the time to find a way that works best for you. Hundred percent. And what what do you think of when I say don't don't eat carbs? You think about carbohydrates straight away. You tell someone not to think about something that's all they're going to be focused on. So there's there's a high chance you'll end up eating the carbohydrates anyways and falling off track when you could have just kept them in and it would have been okay. 
yeah, mate, I don't know if this ever happens to you, but you get into Uber and then yeah, the, the guy goes, oh, um, so what do you do for work? I go, I'm a nutritionist. He goes, oh, mate, have you heard the keto diet? I'm like, yep. And he, <laughs> like, you go, oh, I'm thinking about trying it. And I'll say, do you like carbs? And he goes, yeah, I'm like, don't do it. <laughs> like, mate, the amount of conversations you have with people just about food and like you could give them advice and they're like, oh, no, nah, I think I'll do this. And you're just like, well, all right, well, you ask me, but if you want to do your own thing, do your own thing. Yeah, you're not my client right now, but if you want to be, <laughs> yeah. then like... <laughs> yeah, here's my card. If you ever want to come back to me, I'm always happy to help you out. That's it. Um, all right, man, I think we're going to leave the podcast in a pretty good spot, uh, giving some people some really good tips on aggressive diets, food selection, but also on who to follow, to leave them in a really positive place physically, socially, and emotionally when it comes to, nutri- to their nutrition. Uh, let's wrap up with a couple of questions. So, mate, any Netflix specials or uh, shows you're watching at the moment? Um, so, I'm actually re-watching the American version of The Office because it's like my favourite TV show ever. Yeah. And another one that's quite interesting, have you heard of Love, Death and Robots? No, I haven't. So, they're just 12-minute clips of just random episodes, like having no context behind them, and they just suck you in for like 10 or 12 minutes, and then it goes to the next episode, and you're like, Wow. So um, there's only about 18 episodes, but it is just, I just find it fa- so fascinating. Nice. 12 minute episodes. That's good. I've, uh, yeah. I do habit stacking in the evening, talk about atomic habits, and I stretch for like 20 minutes watching a Netflix show. Um, so that nice. could be another one if anyone's getting into some stretching, 12 minutes of stretching where you watch that show, Love Death Robots. Very there good. You go. um, <laughs> any books you're reading at the moment or any books you recommend to anyone? Uh, so, yeah. So the book I'm reading at the moment, is actually just because I've started doing just fully online coaching. It is called uh, Solo. So it's basically working in a world where you are working for yourself or if you're a home worker and how to um, how to be okay working by yourself but not be lonely because a lot of people um, are suffering you know, with depression and loneliness and stuff at the moment. So it's about how to make sure um, you can still practice solitude by yourself, but also go out and making sure you're having those social interactions because a lot of people, whether you're introverted or not, you need that in-person social interaction just to be a, a happier person overall. Yeah, solo. Nice. I'll have to check that out. I found that, you know, uh, towards the back end of last year, I was going a little bit stir crazy being at home all the time. Um, yep. So I actually started to work at a gym again just to coach CrossFit, you know, five classes a week. And just, it wasn't more about like, Anything except for the social interactions, like you were saying, it's um, it's just good to get out and, and talk to people and, and coach something else other than, other than nutrition, even though obviously I love it. Um, but I found like a massive improvement in my mental health after doing that. Yeah, hundred percent. And like again, like we we forget that like we are human, and you can't you're not an island. You have to be. You have to have those social interactions. You know. Oh, huge man! And community is yeah. so important as well. Um, Favorites. One more book, The Power of Habit, like we talked about. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, the Power of Habit and Atomic Habits. I think they're both really good books. Yeah, they are. That's uh, Charles Duhigg, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, how interesting was that? Uh, in that book, he talks about the guy that killed his wife. I don't remember that. Well, you got to remind me. I and it ended, a long up, time. it ended up being out of habit. So um, I'm pretty sure it was that one, or it must have been a different habit book. But he's like, yeah, I'll, dude, you'll have to check it out again. It was ridiculous. He ended up getting off the charge because of what he did was based on habit because he had this like night terror thing. Oh, yes, yes. I do remember. Yeah. Yeah. That and is he, in the power of habit. Yeah. And he accidentally like choked his wife. It was yeah, insane. Yeah, yeah scary. Um, 
All right, mate, you're the cereal king on Instagram. What is your favorite or do you have top three cereals and what's your criteria? Okay. All right. So um, I'm going to say top three cereals. They're going to be Australian cereals. I'm assuming most people are Australian listeners. So Crunchy Nut, absolute fave because yeah. it can go. So like my, it's got to be able to go in milk, but also in yogurt, right? Because you've got to be able to, you know, change it up a little bit. Yeah. So Crunchy Nut for sure. Uh, Nutrigrain, of course, just because there's an OG. And I would probably say number three would be the uh, Cocoa Pops checks. You know, the little pillow ones. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Now I like Cocoa Pops checks uh, and Nutrigrain because they can be high volume foods with lower amount of calories. You know, if you want the best high volume, it's going to be just normal Cocoa Pops because they're just like very, you know, very light. So you can have a lot of them. Uh, but the pillows and the Nutrigrain, like they've got a good amount of carbohydrates. So it's perfect pre or post workout. Uh the Nutrigrain's got a little bit more protein, but I would say those two for the lower calorie options. And if you have a little bit more calories, go Crunchy Nut or even Crunchy Nut Clusters. Yeah, um, I'm actually a big fan of the Rice Krispies at the moment. Oh, yeah? Yeah, not too bad. So my, it's my, uh, when I train the best, I have those at the moment. So. Okay, yeah, right. Yeah, and I, it's I like, the uh, confirmation I'll... bias. Now you have to keep having it. <laughs> that's it, man. That's it. And uh, I just like mixed protein powder as my like as my milk. Um, yeah. So yeah, and then a bit of a nice ripe banana in there. Have you um have you tried that complete dairy milk? No. It's got 15 grams of protein per okay. serve. Have to check it out. Yeah, uh, it's usually at Woolies or Coles, but they got a hole in the light. Um, but yeah, it's just a higher amount of protein per serving. So I was like, that's sweet. Sweet. Check it out. Yeah. Um, all right, mate. We'll finish. Do you have a, a favorite quote? Oh, I think I'm just going to say comparisons, the thief of joy. Nice one. Very, very good, mate. Yeah. I, I do like your little truth bombs that you do every, I think Saturday. So there's a couple of <laughs> yeah, banger Saturday quotes in there, bombs. but I, I've seen that a couple of times, the comparisons, the thief of joy. Thanks, mate. All right, mate. So where can people find you if they want to find out more about Tyson, the trainer? Well, I basically live on Instagram, so that'll be the best place to find me. Uh, it is Tyson the Trainer with two R's because someone stole the first one. So that'll probably be the best place to find me. And then from there, um, if you guys go to my bio, you'll find the podcast. You'll find everything else on there too. Awesome, man. Mate, thanks, thanks so much for being on the uh, Team FNC podcast and uh, we'll chat to you soon. Dude, thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Now, do you want to find a way of eating that's based on your goals, lifestyle and personal preferences? a way of eating that helps you reach your goals in a sustainable way? If the answer is yes, the one-on-one coaching at FNC is for you. It's an individualized coaching for your goals, lifestyle, and preferences. It has support, accountability, and guidance. It includes weekly email check-ins, fortnightly video calls, 12 weeks of nutrition education, access to the Team FNC online community, and the FNC recipe book. For more information, click the link in our show notes.